what's up guys welcome to show number nine numero nueve today here at startup founders it's a beautiful wednesday here in australia if you're if you're listening to this on the wednesday i realized that you don't actually listen to this on a wednesday that is the worst introduction ever but anyway show number nine and today i have my friend dean Svelskvi. And yes, I said the last name in the wrong way, and you're going to see how in the introduction of this show, he even corrects me about his last name, and he tells me how they used to teach him at school regarding his last name. Dean is the founder of Vesuvio. Vesuvio is a tech company that helps businesses and, I mean, corporations to embrace the challenge of chatbots. Chatbots is the new frontiers, and this guy, I mean, Dean is an expert in chatbots. But not only that, in this show, warning before we continue, there's a lot of cursing. And they say that people that curse are smarter than people that don't curse. So trust me, Dean is the smartest guy in the room so far in this podcast because a lot of cursing. I end up laughing a lot during this show. I think because I was nervous of the amount of insanity. He can he talks nonstop and he's so fluent in entrepreneurial mentality in his business and it's an absolute blast to have him here. He's full of honesty, full of energy. He is kind of like this crazy mix of of a young Steve Jobs with Gary Vee and a bit of a Rolling Stones. I love the guy. So yeah, welcome to show number nine here today with Dean, co-founder of Vesuvio. Dean, I've been already laughing for, for 10 minutes and this hasn't started. Dean Betkowski, um, hey mate, welcome Close. to the show. I'm excited to have you here. I'm super excited to be here as well, my friend. Before we start, what about if you tell the world, what was your nickname um, at, at school? Well, I mean, for those who probably don't know, because it might just get edited out to the, like, or from the beginning, is the pronunciation of my last name. And you see a lot of people, they try and pronounce it. Some of them get it good. You were close, Gabriel. Um, but uh, we're just saying that in high school, my, I suppose, my nickname, my last name, uh, when people tried to pronounce it, and they could just never get it. So they just said, Dean Sakalotokoski. So... You know, I was one of those kinds of people that got bullied in high school, that's for sure. <laughs> oh, poor thing, from being bullied to, to being a, a successful and hustler entrepreneur. Okay, tell, tell us a little bit about, about um, I mean, what do you do? What's your startup? Yep, so Vesuvio. Vesuvio, we build robust, bespoke chatbot solutions. Um, we're always looking at providing really, really good, affordable, out-of-the-box solutions. So we're always constantly looking at different ways. You know, we're like 20... 100 different startups in one startup. And what I mean by that is, for example, like we're always looking at different solutions. So we've got a, a new solution now for queue management. So queue management using chatbot technology. And, um, you know, we've got another solution for, uh, you know, a number of different areas. We've got an Uber solution. So, you know, if a taxi company adapted a, you know, the, the solution that we've created through Messenger, um, then they could have taxi bookings and payments right on Messenger without needing to, um, you know, have any external apps or anything like that for people to download, making it accessible. So we're always creating new solutions within our own business to be able to go and, I suppose, have it as an affordable price for, you know, those people to take on those solutions. So in the same way, not only do we do the bespoke solutions for your everyday business um, in chatbot tech, but um, we also do your solutions for, uh, you know, out-of-the-box solutions. We spend a lot of time, a lot of R&D, uh, to be able to make solutions affordable for a lot of other people, if that makes sense. 
Okay, cool. Absolutely. And so the, the question here is for people that are completely donkeys regarding, I mean, tech, describe to me very quick elevator pitch. What the hell is a chatbot? Okay. Um, apps are dead. Forget building an app. You can build whatever you want on an app on a chatbot, in most cases, at least anyway. And um, the best, the most easiest way to say it is it's an automated messaging service um, where either one of three things is provided. It's either customer service. Uh, it's either a service that's being provided, like the Uber solution that we just said that we were just mentioning, or it's knowledge base, you know, to go in there and get the information that you're looking for. So they're the three aspects of it. I lost you, Dean. Did you lose me there, Gabe? Or are you uh, still now, here? Now you're back, and you're back with your revenue. Hold on, my Bluetooth, now my Bluetooth's cut out. One sec. No worries. I'm going to switch to Wi-Fi. Sure, mate. And I'm all... Yeah, I'm completely losing you there. Thoughts, really? Is, uh, <laughs> I, I lost you completely. So let me ask you. Let, let me ask you a question once again because you were completely underwater. Um, quick elevator pitch, but don't disappear when you answer the question. Uh, why is a chatbot? What is a chatbot? Chatbot is an automated messaging assistant that covers three different areas. It's either knowledge base, customer service. Um, you know, knowledge base and customer service being like one category. Marketing, so using it for a lead funnel, marketing funnel in any way, shape, or form, as well as providing a service, for example, like that Uber uh, solution that I mentioned earlier. Okay, so yeah, you, you were actually mentioning that you, you're building that Uber solution for, for taxi companies. So this is very interesting because technically, I mean, what you're telling us is any kind of technology, I mean, any, any type of chatbot can, can fit different industries. That is very interesting. Tell me a little bit about how this whole chatbot world has, I mean, evolved. Because the first time that I look at chatbots, I was a bit, I mean, apprehensive. Is this going to really evolve? Is this the, the way to go? But obviously now we're more used to chatbots. So give me a bit of briefing of what chats used to do and what can we actually do right now with chatbots? The chatbots first were built in the 60s, you know what I mean? So like in the 1900s, uh, you know, where... This was this simple automated technology question answer type stuff, you know, and it's the same way that things like Siri and, and Google Assistant works and things like that. Uh, except I suppose when you have something in text format, you, when you think about it, you think about a website, right, or an app. A website and an app can be, I suppose, condensed down into a chat conversation very easily using images and, and other sort of interactive ways in a conversation the same way you would, you know, in, in any other conversation with someone, right? So, you know, I suppose it's more condensing down. If you think about a website right now, like you go there and once you're there, you see 20 different things, right? And you just don't know where to look. Um, and, and what that does is it makes people lose focus. Whereas when someone is looking at the one thing and there's only one option, that's the only options that they get. It allows for a lot more focus. It allows for, you know, I suppose that really quick, sorry, um, load time because you don't actually have to go and connect to a website and download all the data from it because it's a simple chat. Um, you know, and, and all, all things can be integrated with it, right? So this is where voice becomes, uh, I suppose, a little bit, a bit of a harder topic 
to tackle when it comes to capabilities because what the only thing that can be done is either communicated via voice back or it can be shown on a device which still requires you know third party applications like you know your Google Home or Google or uh, you know Amazon Alexa Echo and, um, and and things like that to be able to run those particular services Whereas when you think about a messaging conversation, I, mean, I suppose the most common platform would be Messenger, but you're never limited to that. But given Messenger, you can practically compact and condense everything into that one thing and really achieve some amazing goals in it. So, you know, I suppose the key question here is more how is it evolving? It's not really about how chatbot technology is evolving, right? It's about the person who's implementing it and the person who's, wanting to implement it as part of their, their business and as well as the end user and how they interact with it. And I'll give you a good example of that is that the world is not ready for the artificial intelligence side of chatbot technology. We can do that right now and we've done it so many times, but say at Vesuvia, we do a lot of user testing. We want to understand how people react to things. And when you, you leave, I suppose, the options to or the freedom I should say in the customer's hands the person who's interacting what happens is is there's of two things that either get confused or you know misguided themselves or they get really really I suppose skeptical because they're like oh I don't really like this because I just or annoyed right for, you know yeah or they get yeah. annoyed okay so so, so technically I mean because I have experienced that there's some chatbots that are actually funny that, that, that they're in, you engage and you obtain the results that you're looking for or there's also some chatbots that once you arrive to a chatbot you go oh my god holy cow this is a chatbot so give me some very easy to understand examples of cool stuff that we can actually do right now with chatbots that we couldn't do a year ago uh, everything, I'll, I'll put it to you this way. Like, I mean, that's a very, um, like that question is very hard to answer because what you could do with chatbots today, you could do a year ago. In fact, you could do it 10 years ago, but no one's really implemented it in a way that's functional. Whereas, like I said, you know, a lot of people are just, they don't, I suppose they don't really understand how it can be used or how it's best used. And so what happens is, is they end up just, with some random crap slapped together, like putting a, a you know pasta on on a Tuesday night, you know what I mean? Like, I oh, what are we having for dinner? I just I oh, whatever I can find. Yeah, but I mean, my point is, you know? my point for, for someone that's trying to understand. I mean, obviously, you 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 eat, breathe, and 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 eat chatbots. For someone that is wondering, okay, what what kind of cool technology or what kind of cool features are being ha happening right now? Can you give us examples of industries doing? interesting stuff with i mean with, with with chatbots i mean do i interact with mcdonald's now with a chatbot can i actually i mean order a taxi with chatbots can you give me some examples of, of these applications in, in in new industries that we haven't seen this before look you can book flights with qantas using a chatbot um you know part of that still takes you to a website but they are in the middle of implementing it so that way it's completely robust in the way that you know you just go there book your flight through messenger and see you later um you know there's Things like, for example, um, you know, we're working with a, a major bank at the moment, for example, where we're creating something called Safe Spaces. And what that is is a chatbot that allows you to nominate friends uh, and family, people who are close to you when you don't feel, so you can notify them when you don't feel safe. And the common issue around that is where people, uh, you know, they, they don't want to make phone calls or text people where people can read. So if they can have a seamless conversation pushing buttons to notify 
loved ones and friends and family that they you know they don't feel safe and send a location so that's another thing we're working on as capability wise we're working on things where for example we've got homelessness and and also you know youth homeless accommodation um, so it's things like that where you can also extend that out to offline maps delivered through that chatbot so that way you know someone who doesn't have data can still continue using the service as well by I suppose loading that data onto their phone beforehand um, you know and as well as what something that we've recently implemented across all of our chatbots is suicide and self-harm prevention using our machine learning technology to identify if someone just randomly went to a chatbot and said I want to kill myself or I want to hurt myself um, it would actually send them links to you know um, beyond blue or lifeline things like that to be able to go and get uh, get the right help um, so there's a lot of different use cases obviously you can see a lot of ours are more about social impact than they are about you know cool funky things that you can do but there's other chatbots out there for example taxbot where you can do your entire tax return if you're a single if you're a single person and don't have any kids and you're just doing your regular tax return you can do that through a chatbot as well so there's a lot of different ways well, that's that crazy yeah Okay, so so how did you end up with? I mean, how did you? I mean, started Vesuvio. How did the idea of hey, let's let's consider? I mean, uh, chatbots and not. I mean, why not another idea? How did you end up? I mean, in this place. Uh, look, I'll, I'll tell you how it originated. I've been using chatbots for maybe three, four years. On, I mean, just using your everyday chatbot service. You know, your many chat, your chats, your all those things. And um, I actually. Sort of implemented it when I was in my marketing agency as part of my solution, and it was just—I mean, I didn't realize what I was doing at the time, but it was my competitive advantage over the other marketing agencies. And then I started integrating it more, integrated with their CRM. It was really, really robust. It was on autopilot, and all the results just came in, and they were flying through like no tomorrow. What I identified was a change. It was a transition from what people used to like and what they like now. Uh, and what people like now is that instant messaging conversation, that convenience. Um, and so in that same respect, I realized as time went on, as I started further developing what, the, I mean, the integration, I kind of questioned the norm and said, well, what else can you do with this? Uh, and so then things started extending more and more. And I went, you know what, that's it. Uh, you know, I got to a certain point in the marketing agency where I was complacent. In life, I knew I wanted to do two things. I wanted to do things around marketing, and I also wanted to do things around technology. Chatbots kind of fit into both categories, as well as a, a subcategory there being social impact and change. Um, and so I realized that this was a really great way to effectively make that change in, in, in the world and what I'd like to do. And so that's where chatbots, you know, even just using those apps, ManyChat and things like that, I learned so much about the capabilities of what you can do, even with those constrained platforms, to now having a very robust and bespoke um, you know, software development company specialised in chatbots and chatbots only, where you know, we still use your ManyChats and your chat fuels for your smaller customers who just want a simple solution where you know, they, they shouldn't be have to, we shouldn't have to put them on a you know, $1,000 a month minimum with Microsoft Azure or, you know, for example. So, you know, and that's where that, I suppose, now the capability of being able to say, well, there's so much more as to what we can do. Um, and that was the realization for me. I just kind of hit one day um, during a complacent time in marketing where I went, fuck, you know, there's so much more you can do with this. And, 
yeah, it just went from there, man. To be honest, and that's that's awesome, right? I mean, I, I love I love how much I mean passion, um, I mean hustle, intelligence, cockiness youth you have i mean into your startup i want to talk about a few things that 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 you have done that are extremely cocky and very smart from a marketing point of view because i think many uh startups should learn from you but before that okay before we actually do that let's talk about you you create this completely by hustle right I, i want you to talk about a little bit about about the hustling mentality Because every time I talk to you, I mean, we, we have known each other for a while. You're always hustling. You're always getting more clients. You're always going to, to the whole idea of closing clients, getting deals versus living kind of like the startup lifestyle of talking about raising capital and working on the product. Seems to me that you're more about creating growth as fast as possible. You know, I, I saw a video from Gary Vaynerchuk recently and it was from him from many years ago and it was the first time I ever saw the video and I kind of went like, oh shit, that's what I say. Um, I actually, I, I, I find myself realizing that what a lot of these other influential public speakers are talking about, uh, some of my own personal attributes where I'm like, yeah, I totally agree. Like, and I knew that before I heard it from them. Um, you know, for example, you know, Gary V said that, um, you know, I'd never applaud someone who raised capital and they were successfully raised capital. I'm more interested in how they're going to raise money in terms of how are they going to make raise revenue, not raise capital. Right. So, you know, and it's the same thing. Like I'm always about, well, you know, how do you scale? How do you, you need to make money. It doesn't matter if you're Um, you know, your dashboard for your customers to log into looks like a dog's breakfast and a camel sat on it. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's about, you know, how, <laughs> you know, how, how can you, I suppose, have, it's always minimum viable product, right? And what having a minimum viable product does is it allows you to validate what you're doing without spending so much time. Because what happens is, is like, say I've built an amazing dashboard for my clients to, to be able to go and log into And I had all these integrations and this and that and all these bells and whistles and it looked pretty. Now I'm limited if I need to make changes because if I make changes, I have to change the entire thing. So if you're bringing a minimum viable product constantly, you spend less time trying to get something to market. You, you'd settle for the templates. Like we're using on our, I'll tell you right now, like our dashboard right now is provided by Google. Like it's a Google layout that they've basically just handed over to us and said, yeah, here, you can, you can have this Google layout and build whatever the hell you want. Um, so it was just, it's that basically, and people can log in and view their dashboard and it looks exactly like you're looking at a Google dashboard, but it's ours. And the, the, the whole fact is, is that, you know, minimum viable product to market always, um, no matter how big or small, I mean, I suppose the sooner you validate what you're doing, the I suppose the more confidence that you have to say, well, this is staying and we can put more development into that later. Um, and so that's what's really, really, I suppose, the key principle here is in every aspect, your marketing documents, your branding, your logo, your business name, your the way that you approach customers, your sales materials, your website, minimum viable product, just get it out there, make it happen. Those who truly believe in what you're doing in your project, they'll sell. The key difference is, is that you need to invest more time in presentation of yourself because when you go to a meeting with someone to sell a service, to sell a product, 
you know, even if you're a startup who's got a, an application that, you know, you're just selling online, the, the key fact is, is that you want to try and, I suppose, capture a small audience to start with and validate what you're doing and even get that feedback, no matter how good or bad that it looks, you know, get the principles down right. It's like SEO or, or AdWords, I should say, sorry, and that's probably a topic you're more familiar with as well, Gabe, as well, is that sometimes it's not about going for the keyword with 20,000 results, 20,000 search, uh, search results per month. Sometimes it's about going for that keyword that hasn't been touched and it's got 300 people, but you're happy with having 300 people more than what you did before with no competition than trying to compete against 20,000. You know yeah, what completely, I mean? completely. And, and you, you've, been, you've done a, a very good job of representing the brand. Do you find a difficult balance between the, the hustler and the startup mindset that goes to the conferences, that keeps, I mean, trying to raise capital, that spends all these hours and hours in these, I mean, in these trainings about how to become a startup and how to make money? Well, when I see you, it seems to me that your main job is to make money, is to get the sales, is to get the clients. How difficult is to get that respect as a startup versus a very skillful hustler? Is it a difference there? Look, um, look, everyone has a different way of learning. And, you know, some people, you know, go for the former rather than the latter and they're quite successful. Um, you know, but the thing is, is that, I mean, I suppose there's, I mean, the market is just so oversaturated with startups now. Everyone's got an idea and it, it seems to be like a massive trend these last couple of years and it's only grown. And uh, I suppose the issue is, is that a lot of these startups, you know, they're just playing startups. Like I've walked into co-working spaces um, where people are throwing fucking paper planes around the room and I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? towards your future, towards your business. Like I, I walk into a, to, to the office every day and if at any given point in time, my own personal task list depletes, I, like, I don't even take a minute. I just, I literally, I will grab a whiteboard and I will start looking at other ways that I can invest my time into ensuring that, you know, the business is going to keep on going forward. You know what I mean? Like there's no time to waste. Like you can throw paper planes around your entire fucking you know, office when you've made it and you've got fucking 150 staff and, you know, you're turning over fucking millions of dollars in revenue. Sure. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like do whatever the fuck you want. Right. But the fact is, is that like right now you're trying to bring a product to market, but you're fucking drawing dicks on a fucking paper plane and throwing it to the other guy across the room. You know God, what I, mean? I, I completely got it. And I, I think you just destroyed the, the rating for this podcast with the 27 fuck it in the, in the answer. But I, I get your point. And, and I think, I mean, I like the mentality of, of being productive, being profitable. You haven't raised capital, but you also had very interesting marketing success that blows my mind how such a small business. I mean, regarding team, you don't have a press release company working for you. You don't have an agency working for you. Tell us about how you got exposure uh, Australia-wide with the way that you actually tackle the, I think it was the New South Wales traffic, I mean, transport bot. Can you tell the story to the audience? Okay, definitely. Look, um, you know, and this is, this is exclusive marketing advice as well. It's not something that I tell everybody. Um, you need to ride the wave. With the world of media and attention and exposure, it doesn't 
I mean, it doesn't get handed to you on a silver platter, but at the same time, it is so, so hard to lobby certain individuals to support you. Um, you know, so if you go to someone and say, we've got a great idea, can you please publish us? They're going to be like, well, fuck, I just got a hundred other emails last week. So the, the best way to harness potential is by looking at current trends in the media and using those current trends to, I suppose, contact these individuals. Now, every journalist, I'll tell you this now, every journalist fires a lot of crap. And this is just me being straight up, right? I'll be open and transparent about this. They fire a lot of crap into their articles because they have a quota of writing 15 articles a week. And out of 15, seven of those get picked to get published in different papers into different online publishing, whatever it might be. There's a lot of pressure on. Now, what happens is me as a journalist, hypothetically, I'm writing this article about New South Wales transport and how they spent $40,000 and it just takes you to the website, right? Now, the best thing that I could ever have is validation that what I've written makes total sense. And so that's where we talk about, for example, we built something better in 24 hours and we go to the newspaper, we go to the original publisher of that article and we say, hey, by the way, thought we'd let you know that we built one better than theirs in 24 hours. And that validated that person's, uh, you know, I suppose, journalism on that particular article. That person went from, you know, having an article as an exclusive article, uh, you know, just on news.com.au and the Daily Telegraph and whatever else, went from there to page three of the Daily Telegraph nationally. And that kind of validation is what awards and rewards these people. And so for that, she gets a better journalism, I suppose, uh, title. Brownie points. Yeah, 100%. Like, oh, wow, you found someone who did something better in 24 hours. Great, we'll publish it to to third page. And for her, that's like a milestone in her career. You know what I mean? So, and I guess it's also yeah. cheeky, right? You're doing it for the, for the cheeky factor, and it's always going to be, I mean, interesting to talk about the underdog uh, trying to battle the, the government. So it was very smart. So tell us, I mean, I mean, give us the context of the story exactly. What was the story for people that haven't heard the story? Yeah, absolutely. So um, it was basically forty thousand dollars of taxpayer money that was wasted on a chatbot that. Just, you know, you'd have very basic functions, like we could, we literally did those, the functions that they had, we did in like an hour and a half of integrations, it was like ridiculous. Um, And they spent 40 grand on all of that, and most of which just referred you back to the website anyway, which is just completely absurd. It's like, what's the point of the chatbot if you're going to just take them back to the Transport New South Wales website? You know what I mean? Like, what the hell? So that article was published, and, you know, someone actually sent that article to us. Um, and we kind of looked at it and went, hey, hold on a minute. It's a chatbot related. This is why this person's sending it to us. Let's, let's go and build something better and let's go and let's, let's hope for the best. You know, let's go and send it to the original publisher and make it happen. And that's exactly what we did. You know, we built the chatbot. We did a live video demonstration. We not only did we have the screen in the foreground of the video that we edited, but we also had it in the background on a TV to show that this was real time. Um, you know, rather than just some fake simulation or anything like that. So, um, yeah, 100%, that's, that's what we did. And we, we took it to market and we sent, you know, an email to that individual. And that was it. We got published page three of the Daily Telegraph nationally. So it's absolutely phenomenal. 
What the outcome of that, I'll just say this, wasn't just national attention, it was global attention. We had people from local councils in the UK contacting us saying, hey, uh, you know, we don't want to make the same mistakes. We get ripped off all the time too. Can we work with you as well? The only thing that sort of held us back from that was that we didn't have any UK, we had to have a UK um, registration of business. And that kind of held us back from being able to work with those individuals. But nonetheless, I mean, if we did have that, there was definitely a very good opportunity there. So, um, yeah, it is. That's so crazy. Do you, do you think that, that the startups in Australia are a bit, I, okay, I want to be completely honest. I find the startups in Australia are completely unoriginal regarding their marketing. I find their marketing of startups slightly boring. And one of the things that I love about what you're doing is the storytelling behind the chatbots. To be honest, I don't even care about chatbots so much. I use chatbots. I think they're awesome. But what I like is the storytelling here. Do you think this storytelling strategy is, can actually be scaled by, by other startups? They can actually be implemented as part of the strategy of marketing, of launching and acquiring, I mean, new clients or, or getting press exposure? Look, you know, marketing and startups is a very tricky question because it's very versatile as as per each I suppose, startup. Um, storytelling is definitely really, really important because what you do is you allow people to be taken on a journey. And when you take people on a journey, what that allows you to do is this is now taking someone through a lead funnel, right? Through a, through a sales funnel. Um, and like, that's like, you, you wouldn't even realize it at first, but just me talking to you right now, um, you know, about how this works and how that works, I could be taking you through a sales funnel you know, and without you even realizing it, but you think I'm just telling you a story. And so, you know, that's where there is, it's very, I suppose, beneficial in that sense for stories in a way, uh, but by storytelling in terms of what you're doing and how you're doing it, yes, it is very effective, but it is, it very much so depends on your niche and what you're doing. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of effective marketing methods, but the one that sells are always the ones that are quirky. I want to give you two examples char time and i want to give you koala koala mattresses right? fantastic yes please char time first ad that they ever brought out and i pissed myself laughing at how genius it was was blow me i'm a hot tea and it was a cup of tea with their logo and their branding on a fucking billboard in Parramatta. char time right you know the bubble tea any asian listener right now will know exactly what i'm saying Uh, those who do know that aren't Asian, they probably still know what I'm talking about as well. Bubble tea, char time, blow me, I'm a hot tea, killer, right? And it just made people thrive over it. And, you know, I remember char time from like four years ago. Like I've been buying bubble tea for my missus for like the last four years and it had nothing of the brands that it has now, the style, the way that it presents itself. Char time has adapted from, I suppose, the very, very Asian-oriented, Uh, presentation to a now very Western Asian presentation, which allows them to really, really, uh, you know, have effective marketing in Western culture and with a mixture of a mixture of Asian culture as well, which is obviously a drink that's come from Asian culture. So that was killer because that allowed them to, I suppose, you know, mix themselves up in a Western culture. So it wasn't just to the, I suppose, you know, a, you know the quality Asian the market, yeah. Yeah, the Oriental market, right? It, they made it very broad for other people to go and, 
you know. And the, the great thing too is is that they brought new products to market. They they start bringing out avocado products and this and that things that people have never heard of. They're being very innovative. The same way, for example, Milky Lane comes up with a, a new a new product every month, and that's been going viral. Like these guys have gone from like I remember first managing their account when they were like twenty thousand. Now they're like almost at a hundred thousand Instagram followers, and it's fucking insane. And that's because they've been very very I suppose, innovative with the products that they're creating. Um, you know, now I want to go to Koala because that's more of a product as a service because you kind of just, it is it's an e-commerce solution really. Um, so with, with Koala mattresses, they're doing some really crazy things around customer validation. So they really push for customers to rate their experience and also, you know, give their reviews about their experience with the product. Not only that, and this is where the genius part comes in, they brought out a range of products that were furniture, not just the mattress, but the bed frame, the couch, the this, the that, the whole lot. They had, they started bringing out everything you'd ever need in your bedroom, right? And what they did was, is they paid for a billboard outside of Ikea Tempe. And you could clearly see Ikea and the billboard in the same picture, and they made it black and white, and they said too farkin hard to, in like a Swedish accent, like a Swedish type style writing, <laughs> right? And then it said, you know, put your bed together in three easy steps with a picture of koala mattresses there. Fucking genius. You know what I mean? So it's like, you know, it, it's that type of branding. Branding's key. Branding. Branding yourself in front of people and also just having these really cheeky plays. It's like... See you in the NT. I don't know if you saw that ad, but we clearly know what it spells out. But that was targeted at young people to travel to the Northern Territory. You know what I mean? So we're talking about those really quirky ways of, and those innuendos, really, when you think about it, that are really going to attract the audience and really going to make a difference. That's it also requires some balls, right? Requires to, I mean, to be brave enough, I mean, to, to fail. And that's one of the things that when I see you, I mean, making the videos and doing this and doing the thing, I realize that you, I mean, you're embracing the potential of failure. I mean, I mean, directly, right? This, this, I mean, so how do you, as an entrepreneur, you're pretty young. You're also a dad, right? That, that I think I respect that. I mean, dramatically, because I think, call me, I mean, I don't know, call me, I don't know, this is not racist, but I think that entrepreneurs have a startup and they are parents are a different breed because there's something you, I mean, you, you have something to lose, right? You cannot go to Bali tomorrow with a laptop and a Corona and become one of the startups. How do you embrace the, 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 the idea of this may blow up, I may fail, I may close my business and I may become, a, I mean, a failure the rest of my life. I think about that every single day. Every single day I wake up and I'm thinking, I'm a fraud. This is not going to work. And even with this podcast that I'm recording before we launch, I'm thinking, who the hell is going to listen to me? How do you... Uh, confront the fear of the normal entrepreneur. You know what it is, but it's, it's, you just say fuck it. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I love yeah. I love the wisdom, and the and the answer is fuck it. <laughs> yeah, one hundred percent. But I'll elaborate for you. Um, you know, anything can happen. Like, dude, you know, think about ManyChat. Let's let's use ManyChat as an example. Those who don't know what it is, it's an online platform to build chatbots. Right? I'd encourage you to go and build one for yourself, but you know obviously a lot of R&D behind what we do that makes it better. I've got that out of the way. Many chat could go out of business today. And that's because Facebook could close down today. That's it. We've had problems with Facebook uh, even two weeks ago. 
where they had some really massive API issues and no bots were running and you know the Facebook basically shut down all their servers shut down now the the issue there is is that your entire business model could be thrown out completely out the door in a matter of moments and you know what and I, I believe this personally is that you know if something changes you can always pivot I've never written a like I've never really set a goal for business because it always changes um, but in that same respect anything could happen and the truth is, is that say the worst were to occur you close the business you go get a job and while you're at that job you're thinking about your next idea your next business plan your next fucking thing that you're gonna do you know what I mean like I thought of an idea last night you know what I mean and I, I think it would go viral and you know what it is it's, it's a fucking cup that has a battery in it that heats up a metal bowl that you unscrew so you can create your own personal chocolate dip so you can fucking put a block of chocolate in there and let it melt. So you can get a fucking biscuit or a strawberry, whatever the fuck you want, and have hot chocolate, hot melted chocolate on your fucking strawberry. And you can just keep putting the blocks of chocolate on there whenever the fuck you want. Think about like Netflix and chill. Like you'd kill that. You know what I mean? And then you use the chocolate for something else afterwards, I, I, right? I, I, I think <laughs> I will disagree about the killing it with Netflix. But okay, but let's talk about this. Do you, do you think you, you have been, uh, you have been in Colombia, right? I think, I mean, you've been in Colombia because you speak, I mean, you speak, pretty good Spanish, right? Nah, nah. I've never lived in Colombia, man. I'm, I grew up in Western Sydney, and Western Sydney is very multicultural. Ah, um, that's So, right. you know, man, I, I could speak Arabic. I can speak Vietnamese, you, you, Chinese, You're the hustler, okay? I, you're like the taxi driver outside the airport that knows those three sentences. Well, you convinced me when we're, we're, we're chatting on the phone. Do you think that the fear here in Australia of entrepreneurs is more because we are, I mean, in Australia? Because in reality, for me, there's way more chances of success here in Australia because what you say is right, is if you manage to build a startup, you can always get a job and start again. So what yeah. do you think is the issue? I mean, without being, I mean, without talking about Dean, what do you think is the issue with, with your peers out there in these co-working spaces that they're completely terrified of, of, of failure and, and they're facing these challenges? Because I, I think the community is facing these challenges of, oh my God, what happened if I fail? So, you know, the, the, the key phrase here or sort of the key focus here is the stereotype of Australia being a place where, you know, you, people are scared that they won't be as successful and if they go to the US that they will be. I've been told so many times in so many occasions when I do public speaking, when I deliver master classes, when, when I do this, when I do a whole heap of different things, people say, man, you should move to San Francisco, your efforts would be appreciated there and you'd be more successful a lot quicker, Right. And, um, and I look at that and I go, well, yeah, you're right. You know, you might actually be right. But see, the thing is, and I can't take credit for this because someone else said it. I mean, I, I've known her all along, but this person put her into a really, really good phrase, a good way of saying it. His name's Boris from Buzzbox, another startup, absolutely amazing. He's, he's bridging the gap between hard copy and digital and measuring ROI. Um, and so with that in particular, he said one thing, he goes, if you can make it successful in Australia, then you can make it successful anywhere. And that's the challenge. The challenge is, is, well, okay, you know what? It might be easier to do overseas. But you know what? Fuck you. You're in Australia. Let's deal with what you, I mean, the hand that you've been given. You're in Australia. Make it happen here. And if it fucking works, you take it elsewhere. You know what I mean? So it's as simple as that. You are a complete hustler, man, constantly. I mean, all the time. Now, that sentence that you can make it in Australia, you can make it anywhere. 
trust me, they came from Colombia originally. I heard that when I was like two years old. If this thing works in Colombia with everything that we have here, it can work anywhere. Now, let's talk, Dean, about something that, is, that I find it fascinating is how do you, as an entrepreneur, as a startup, that you have a business, how do you find and how do you build and grow when you don't have uh, like investment? So you're completely bootstrapped. You, you get your clients. Do you feel stressed that you have to grow faster or your whole philosophy is just to keep growing at the pace that you are? Or to, at what point are you going to consider, hey, you know what? It would be awesome to do this in a bigger scale, hire more people or versus I'm going to keep control of my business 100% and not trying to go and, and get partnerships or, or capital. It's, um, again, it's a very good question, but it is, it is very, very broad in a way that circumstances are always different for each business. But in your case? Yeah, in my case, you know, I found that early on, we found ourselves, I suppose, growing too fast to the point that we could not facilitate. And the issue that was there that was present was we weren't ready for it the best thing that I can reflect on in a time where we needed to grow, but we couldn't grow is the fact that, um, you know, it's as simple as managing your time a little bit better and automating some of the processes along the way. Uh, and when I say automating some of the processes along the way, I'm talking about, you know, less time on the phone or on an email and, you know, just having, I suppose, some forms and a bunch of different things set up as well as, you know, even auto responders to keep people on their toes and say, Hey, you know, we're, we're still just wanted to follow up with you and let you know that you're still on our mind. I know that you reached out to us two weeks ago. We've been very busy, but just want to make you aware that we're, we're still very uh, interested in working with you. We didn't have any of that and we didn't think of any of that when it happened. And what happened was we ended up losing a lot of people because, uh, you know, we just weren't responsive enough because we were very overwhelmed with, you know, the amount of inquiry, especially after the the whole, um, you know, New South Wales transport thing. So, you know, it really does depend for us. It was more, you know, how can you create managed, managed scalability? And when I say that, what I'm saying is, for example, we have some products that are in the works right now at Vesuvio where we know that the second we drop the penny, we're going to get a lot of people that are interested, right? Uh, and so then that's where we can say, for example, right now we're consolidating a lot of what we do and condensing it down into one easy-to-manage business. So, you know, investing that time in consolidating, having those automated touch points, uh, you know, having things in a CRM, automated payments, this, that, and the other, just really, and it, like our payments right now, we don't even have, a proper dashboard for it. It's just a little pop-up window that you go and enter your details and click confirm. Like if you want to, you know, update your payments or get, you know, um, you know, cancel your subscription, you still have to contact us. You can't just log in and cancel. Um, so there's still things that are manually done here. We've got the minimum viable product to the market and we've really condensed it down in a way that, um, you know, once we drop the penny and we have certain things ready that we can scale and we can scale without having to hire more staff, you know what I mean? Like we can do it with the team that we have because we've, I suppose, really condensed it down and automated a lot of what we do. Does that make sense? Yeah, completely, completely. Do, do, do you think, because this has been my, the story of my life, that sometimes what happens to you is very similar to me, that the hustle sometimes 
uh, is not enough because we need to, I mean, we need to organize our business in that way when the hustle profits come in, we can actually deliver. And I think what you're saying is, is completely accurate. And actually I'm facing the same situation where I realize, hey, it's easy for me to calm down, slow down, plan this properly, and then uh, continue with with the insane hustle that you have. I think you're one of the the, the hardest hustlers out there. And I wonder uh, if I will see you the same way in, in 10 years time, or you will be like a, like a, like a version of Gary Vee. I saw a, a video of Gary Vee today and he looks tired. <laughs> I was I was laughing. I was like, he looks tired. It must be exhausting. Uh, how do you balance in your personal life the, 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 the constant hustle? Clearly, you came up with a billion dollar idea yesterday, the yeah. strawberries and, and hot drink. That is completely nonsense, but you believe it's a billion dollars, so I love it. How do you balance that that, that hustle and, and quality of life, or, or is your brain always working nonstop? Look, um, communication is really, really important. Whether you, you whether you're single and living with your parents, as most uh, you know, younger sort of startups. Whether you're single and have kids, whether you're in a relationship, if you're just single and you have friends that that you know, or you know, things like that, or even you have to see your parents because if parents don't see you off, so whatever the circumstance is, your relationships and communication is so so important. Um, you know, when I say communication is so so important, we're not talking about getting into an argument or a fight. We're talking about, um, you know, and, I, and I, I very much so recommend this to anyone, is when you get into, when you feel like you're, I suppose, upset about something with a significant other, a friend or family member, I never react and I encourage other people not to either. And to write down what it is that they were upset about right then and there when it happens. And when a time that's more appropriate comes around, address it with that particular individual. Now, how that applies in my circumstances, for example, I was working a little bit too much. Now, the communication between me and my partner, we came to the conclusion that, you know, communication was well, very necessary, more than just when I have a problem, but what my expectations are and how we need to do this and how we need to do that. You need to actually, I mean, relationships are very emotional, but when you're making decisions about an, a relationship, it's very much so like business. You can't involve emotions at all and you have to be very logical with your approach. So what's working for me right now, for example, is, um, you know, my day-to-day, -day, Monday to Friday, I'm working, um, you know, and I'm working till sometimes till six, seven o'clock, whatever time it is. But given that I have family, I've got two kids, I've got a partner that uh, very much so, you know, enjoys my company. When I get home, I do not engage in any other work until everyone has gone to bed. And once I've, you know, I'm sitting in bed and the missus goes to bed and my, my kids have gone to bed, then I'll go and I'll whip out the laptop and I'll go get whatever extra work that I need done, done. And that keeps the balance because now, you know, my partner isn't thriving on my attention because clearly they're, you know, unconscious, they're asleep, right? <laughs> so therefore, there's no conflict in work-life balance because I can still do what I want to do in work uh, and not affect my, my personal relationships. Um, you know, in that same respect, um, you know, sometimes there is compromise. The compromise is, for example, like I've got an event this Friday and Saturday and, you know, on Saturday, normally I spend my day with my partner and she does a bit of Instagram influencing. So I go help her take photos and things like that with the family and the kids in the car and whatever else. Uh, but this Saturday, you know, there's a compromise because I have to go to an event that I, you know, that I've got a stall, stall at, a, a um, stall hold at. And, you know, there has to be that leniency sometimes. And I think 
it's more about that, uh, you know, not the word leniency. I'm looking for another word for it, but it's I suppose having that that compromising attitude towards things to be able to say, you know, I'm I'm happy to compromise, um, you know, on our regular routine or things like that. But routines are really good business as a business owner. Routines are great to manage your time, but I encourage you to make your routine not as I suppose rigorous. Don't like don't have a hundred percent routine that you stick to consistently. Um, I think it's good to have that freedom to just be able to go and explore something else instead of being stuck on a routine because routines, I suppose, make you become robotic. Um, so, you know, have a guideline there, but don't have a specific routine. But that's it, man, really. That's it. I mean, it seems to me that you are the, the ninja balance. And I, I wonder if after this, call, uh, this, this podcast, you go home and start screaming. <laughs> and it's, it's a different <laughs> version of, of, of Dean. I'm, I'm joking. Now, before we finish, uh, tell the world out there uh, where they can find more information about you. I want you to plug uh, Vesuvio just in two minutes, not in, in two hours and a half. And then I'm going to ask you the last question so we can finish the show. Absolutely. Look, I'm a public speaker for hire as well. You can check out my LinkedIn profile. You'll, you'll see my name in the podcast anyway, so you don't have to think about how to spell it after I pronounce it. Um, you know, by all means, yes. Um, additionally, with that as well, we've got Vesuvio who builds chatbots. Chatbots are absolutely phenomenal, and you'd be surprised what you can actually do with chatbot technology. I've got someone who was going to build an app who is now building their entire app on a chatbot as their startup. Phenomenal. Um, so in summary, really, look, um, you know, chatbots are the future. There's different ways to implement them. I have no doubt future. that you convert anyone. <laughs> I mean, I, you, you can have someone that's going to buy a house, Dean, and you will tell him, stop the house. You can buy a chatbot. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you, what, I, I sold the chatbot to a builder who didn't even have a Facebook page, put it that way. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it is definitely possible. So, yeah, absolutely, man. That's it, really. That's a wrap. Check out my LinkedIn profile and Vesuvio. You can find us at vesuvio.com.au. That's V-E-S-U-V-I-O.com.au. Fantastic. Mate, I'm so excited to be talking to you. Before we finish, I want, uh, I'm going to be asking these two future founders. Can you give me your, I mean, your number one productivity tip? Right now, I'm completely addicted to productivity tips and strategies. What is that thing that you're doing right now that you think, holy cow, it's making a difference in my life and it has to be legal. So don't mention any pharmaceuticals. <laughs> <laughs> you're funny. Um, yeah. It's, it's, you're just saying that cause I'm from Western Sydney. I get it. I get it. It's all right. <laughs> I'm, I'm Colombian. So this is a perfect conversation between you it and is, me. So it's, let's it's keep wonderful. going, please. Very, very level playing field. Um, look, uh, I find that um, for us or for me personally, it's social impact. So we have a lot of, social impact that we implement as part of Vesuvio, for, like I've mentioned them earlier. Um, for me, it's, it's being able to see other people smile as an outcome of what we do. And if I implore anyone that if there's any way that they can, uh, you know, I suppose involve social impact in any way, a koala, for example, donate a dollar to a koala foundation that goes towards, you know, deforestation and koalas in Australia and things like that. Create social impact as part of your business model and when and make sure it's something that you're passionate about. And for that very reason, you know, you'll be so happy and positive to work towards a goal because you know that you're achieving so so many great things for other people. You're serving other people. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, 100%. Mate, and one of the things I want to say here on the show is I'm so, so, so grateful that, um, I mean, the, how generous you are with your time. I mean, this is a, a complete personal story that you will know that you actually helped me dramatically. And I'm, I'm, I'm humbled to have you in this show because you are the perfect example of the kind of entrepreneur that I think that we need in Australia. You're not very humble, but you are, you, you, you walk the walk and you know your stuff and you help a lot of people. And that's one of the things I absolutely love about you, how you're always there willing to. I'll tell you what, Gabriel. You know, you mentioned that I'm not humble. I'm know? just joking. I'm just joking. I, I, I have to take the yeah, piece. Someone is has to. <laughs> I'll, I'll say this, but like, I'll be straight up. Like right now, I I can be very vicious, right? Like, I mean, I've been on the phone to someone who, you know, I've been going back and forth with for like the last six months. And I just told them straight up. And I said, look, you know, you want it or you don't. Uh, you know, because the fact is, is that you're wasting my time. You're wasting my team's time. And I don't, I don't respect or appreciate that at all, you know. And then I say, look, you know, if, if it's cool, then no worries, you know. And I'll just be straight up and say, I'm sorry, I can't help you. And I've done that plenty of times in the past. The difference is, is that my name isn't Steve Jobs. It's not Bill Gates. It's not fucking Mark Zuckerberg. There's a time in business for you to be, I suppose, a hustler and aggressive and still be humble. Like know, know when to, you know, I suppose be humble, know when to make yourself known, know when to be cocky, things like that, or know when to be very, very stern with someone. It's about understanding and being self-aware, not only of yourself, but the situation around you. But give it 10, 15 years, and we're making millions and millions of dollars, I'd be a very different person, and I'd probably be humble 24-7, because I don't have to, I suppose, uh, be worried or concerned about being vulnerable. You know what I mean? Whereas I right get it now, completely, man. And I respect 30, that 100%. You know? Yeah, I'm actually, I'm actually taking the piece. I mean, I was ma- mainly focused on your billion dollar strawberry and chocolate fondue <laughs> idea that I think is absolutely rubbish. But I'm more than happy for you to prove me wrong and come to the show once you have an APO of the, how would you call the idea? Before we finish, quickly, quickly, how would you call the idea of the, 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 the fondue cup system that you're going to develop in the future? What is it, the, the electronic chocolate melting machine thing? Yeah, yeah. Give, give, me, give me a quick name. Melt. Melt. Because Vesuvius, the volcano, by the way, Vesuvius, the volcano that killed, I mean, thousands of people. So I love that about your startup name. Mate, I'll tell you this. Tell Vesuvio, me. the reason why we named it Vesuvio, I'll tell you this, uh, you know, primarily because it did wipe out, Vesuvio did wipe out almost entire cities of Pompeii and, and things like that. But here's the thing, right, is that we strongly believe that chatbots are going to kill the app industry as well because we're building, like, chatbots that are in the app space. So we just kind of totally believe in that vision. <laughs> so it just makes total sense. <laughs> completely. Co- 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 completely. A lot of sense in your brain. And that's why I love to have you here, mate. Dean, thank you so much. Um, and this has been so much fun. Um, I can't wait to, to meet you in real life. Uh, and yeah, you can actually teach me all the secrets of surviving West Sydney. Absolutely, man. My only last note for anyone that's listening is do a lot of research into law. And the reason why I say that is because, one, it's very expensive to hire someone else. And two, it'll save your fucking ass big time just by learning, just reading and learning. And you've seen case studies of how it's applied 100%. I think I should have you for a second show eventually to talk about those cases where you actually got sued on purpose. Um, let's, let's keep that for a second show. Uh, thank you so much for, for being on the show, mate. I'll speak to you soon. No worries. Thank you, mate. See ya. Yeah.
Okay, guys, so that's it. This is show number nine, the end with Dean here at Startup Founders. So hopefully you enjoyed the show. And if you actually enjoyed the show, why not head to iTunes and leave me a little of a review so far. Uh, I got some great feedback in these few uh, first weeks here at the show, so I'm excited to keep going. And I'll see you tomorrow with another podcast here at Startup Founders. See ya.